All right. Welcome. It's the hundredth and seventy-fourth episode of the Mina's House podcast. I mean to say what? Oh, uh, Garnett is still connecting to audio. What happened, Garnett? I thought it was here already, but Dex Stucky is here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought uh, he was already good and set to go. So uh, listen, it looks like it's going to be one of those days. Uh, we have a guest joining us, though. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Emmanuel Caesar from Black Ink Crew is going to be joining us. Uh, there's a new season coming to VH1 after this crazy pandemic and everything that happened during that time. So uh, we'll we'll talk to Caesar in a bit to see what's been going on with him and his business and being a small business owner, even though I wouldn't. It's not a small business because he actually has like a whole conglomerate, like a whole bunch of black inks all over the country. But -hmm. in comparison to like these big corporations, he absolutely is a small business. So how did he get through um, you know, the the pandemic just doing all that. So mm-hmm. uh Garnett, are you here? Are we working? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know I couldn't hear you if my uh thing wasn't on. This whole time I'm like, I guess they're not ready. I can't hear them talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what the heck? So well, you, you here, baby. <laughs> all right, so let's get into right what's in our feed. Before our guest comes in, uh, Dex, I thought about you when I saw this story. You're going to say that. You're going to say that. <laughs> so uh, Chris Brown and 21 Savage were proudly showing off their Ush books, uh, supporting Usher, obviously uh, continuing this conversation about Usher's residency and his own money. I think this is a thing. I think I literally I think like Usher did an amazing thing with this. He literally got what he bargained for with this fake money. Hakeem, you are depressed, Hakeem. <laughs> I told you he watched one too many movies. I, I think it's super dope now. I think it's it's definitely hilarious that they're making it a thing. And I know Bitcoin is going up like crazy. And the stock behind Usher Bucks just went up. You got Chris Brown and 21 Savage posting your, your money. It's worth something. It's backed by something now. And now it's backed by something. Now there's some, there's some value to it. <laughs> Look, you know, I, I thought about this a lot after we talked about it uh, previously. And I think that I'm going to make Dexter dollars. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, I think it's funny. <laughs> it's silly. And, like, for what, I don't know why I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So, like, he inspired me to do it. I just don't want the music to be trap-type music. I want him to give us some classic hits. That's all I want. Have fun with this, but please give us some good music. You know what, though? We carry around money with all these old white people. Like, why not put ourselves on money? You know, I think the the messaging, you know, that it's sending. I don't even know if Usher meant to do this, right? Mm-hmm. He probably He probably was just like, let me put my face on a couple of dollars, you know? But I think when we really think about it, when you set aside the controversy part of it, how many people of color do we see on money? None. Exactly. I would be now, obviously this is fake money, but I mean, there's been literally a push to have Harriet Tubman or someone of color, someone who changed the world, changed the country on money. Hmm. Imagine seeing someone that looks like you on money. Now, I know this isn't the government doing the Usher dollars, but I'm a little upset that Usher got his money printed before they got Harriet. Yeah. So, like, it kind of bothers me a little bit. I, 
I, I don't know about y'all, but just, just because of power structure, I kind of like the people of my money dead. I don't need them alive at all. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I, I don't need them getting big at it, being able to look, look, look at now. Nah, I like uh-huh. <laughs> whoever's on the money need to be passed away already. So um it it actually brings up a good point. You know, should Obama be on money? You know, is that something that needs to be a push right now? I mean, usually they do put presidents on money and he was the first black president and there was obviously a very historic election with him. So I I don't see why you wouldn't. Also, Kamala Harris is the first woman to be um, the vice president and she's the first woman in the office. Like I kind of don't see why you wouldn't put those people on money if you're doing it to celebrate the presidents. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. What president? Because it's usually dead presidents. Now, obviously, we don't want to put Barack and, you know, that phrase in the same sentence. But, um, you know, but I was thinking about, well, who would really make sense? Because I think there's something under this. It's about black entrepreneurship. And maybe this is not what Usher meant. But that's what that meant to me. Right. When I saw him with his own face on a dollar bill, that's why I was on board with it. Not when he tried to, you know, throw him at the strippers. But in general, the idea of black entrepreneurship, black money, Spanish money, people of color having their own money, their own businesses, their own dollars. You know, I took it there. All right. Let's start with the the older generation first. Give me Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Give me those guys first. Right. Yeah. Not Usher. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, Moving on. Boxer uh, Gervonta Davis said something interesting that I wanted us to talk about. So he said he can't stop cheating on his girl. I wanted to talk to you guys because is that really a thing? Cause I, when, if a man were to tell me I can't stop cheating on you, I would just be like, you're a liar. You can, you just don't want to, but is that really a thing? Like, is there, could there be a situation where maybe one of your friends or you, where you've seen that uh, someone just cannot be faithful to their partner? I think that's a thing. I think people don't admit it. They don't say it out loud, but it's definitely a thing. And I think it's because like for access purposes, like people think the only celebrities have access to all these women and stuff. But there are a lot of guys who I know who are like in relationships or people that are married and stuff like that. And women throw themselves at them and they don't have the willpower to say, like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to respect my marriage or whatever. Like they think it's OK because they, they don't have that self-control. What? <laughs> Yeah, he 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 pretty much is running the table. <laughs> that's, a, that's a first. Garnett has nothing to say. Uh, I, what I was gonna say, let's 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 talk about even the phrase that Javante Davis supposedly said. He didn't say that, by the way. No man's just coming out saying on the internet he can't stop cheating. That's never happening in life. But um, yeah, I, I, I saw it in the thing. Yeah, but can, uh. A cheating man? Do you really think a cheating? I no, I agree. I, I definitely I agree that like it, it's my side. Like that doesn't make sense to admit it because I know people who do it and they will never say that they not even to admit it, they, they do it. So it's interesting that he did that. She probably did it. Well, I was gonna say I I wanted to ask if this is a real thing because I I just can't believe that. Like if you're cheating, you're making a choice, right? I mean, you might be weak. Just say, yeah. hey, I like dealing with multiple women. I'm not satisfied by one woman. I think that's that's the thing to say, you know. But for you to say you you can't like you can't stop. 
What? That, yeah, well, that, that that's assuming you don't have self control. That could that that could also be from an addiction. That could, you know that can that's how I'm I, I'm not giving anybody any type of break, right? I'm not. Seriously, I'm not. But it, it 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 literally can be an addiction from somebody that has like like Dex was saying, so much power and it's irresistible. You know, so much money, so much fame, and you have these women throwing yourself at you and. This is something that you probably worked for your entire life. I can only imagine how hard it actually is on a person when you can literally, if that's the girl you want, nine times out of 10, you can get her. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think people, you know, when 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 they do get some type of success or their life change, things become harder because you become a more wanted person. That doesn't give them the right to do it. They do have a choice. But you can only imagine, just like somebody with food that can't, they just can't, they can't stop eating food, no matter how bad you know the doctors say that they're doing, they're not going to stop eating a certain kind of food. So, I mean, you can look at it the same way. Wow. Well, it'll be hard to decipher who actually has a sexual problem and who's just being a jerk. Because it's like, <laughs> are you just being a jerk or do you really have a, like like a problem with being with one woman monogamous, which which I'm sure is really a real problem. But if you really have a problem, you need to get some help. It's probably like, both. Again, <laughs> it's, it's hard to decipher who's telling the truth and who's just saying it to say it, you know? Also, just be single. Right. I honestly, if a man were to tell me that, I would not believe it. Um, but I'm sure that it's definitely an issue, uh, something that people really deal with. Again, how are you going to decipher who really has a problem that they need help with, you know, mm-hmm. or who's just out here cheating all crazy and making excuses for it? That's what we might have to determine. Like what number makes it an actual problem? I don't even think it's a problem. It's I think it's people just really being honest with themselves as to why am I doing this? Like yeah. if I if I claim that I am I really love somebody and they're important to me, why do I keep cheating on them? Why why do I keep going outside of this relationship? Like what is going on? Am I fully satisfied in this relationship? You know, first you got to start there. Or yeah, am I am I fully that if not, you got to separate yourself and see why you keep going outside of this situation. So it's really internal reflection first. And then if you realize you keep being with a string of people and no one can satisfy you. Right. And that's why you're cheating. Then you need to go get some help. <laughs> it's you at that point. <laughs> right. And it is it doesn't even have to be sexual. Maybe it's mental, too. You know, like maybe mentally you cannot be with one person. Maybe there's something you're scared of underneath or maybe something you witnessed from your childhood that prevents you from really like monogamously attaching yourself to someone emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, Um, but people are not going to do that. They just going to be like, I can't stop cheating and not really explore what really is under that. If that's really a problem. But I'm not trying to be all psychotherapist on here. I'm just <laughs> yeah, very understanding now. <laughs> OK, so uh, our next topic that I saw all up and down my feed was Steve Urkel from Family Matters, a.k.a. Jalil White. Now, Jalil is selling his own line of weed. He's launched a cannibal line called Purple Urkel. <laughs> And they let them do that. <laughs> he said, 
he said that no one has the market right now when it comes to purple cannabis. And he just didn't see uh, like someone in that lane fully owning that lane. So um, he wanted to be the one who owns the lane. So he partnered up with a different company and he is now selling uh, pre-rolled, you know, uh, joints, these pods, you know, everything with purple Urkel, which I'm assuming is purple haze or an you know, some different string of weed. I mean, are you buying Urkel's weed? Of course. He is. <laughs> you know how long he probably was sitting on this? Purple Urkel is genius. Why, why, why else would you call Purple Haze that? Like, that's pretty genius. I would definitely smoke with uh, Jaleel White. I would definitely smoke with him. I do think it's a, uh, a fabulous um, career decision. Um, you know, somebody that hasn't been, I guess, in a limelight for a while and was a, uh, a child star actor. And we know a lot of those kind of grow up to be a little different and always in a, you know, different things. And to see him never to really be in anything and, you know, to come out and, you know, be in a growing industry, which a lot of people are getting in right now is really like a boom. So, you know, for him to go in there and capitalize like that, I actually think it's awesome. I don't know. So no, I don't know if I agree. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Like like when I think of Urko, I definitely don't think of weed. I think it makes sense, like from uh, from a brand recognition, like you. Yes. Like I'm someone that people know. And if I put my name behind like a product, I'm sure it, it may sell. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, like if it was someone like I watch wrestling and there's this guy named RVD. He is like he was known as like a stoner even during wrestling and like that makes sense that he now has pre-rolls and all that stuff like that. And people are buying that. Aside from you, I don't, I can't think of anybody that'll be like, I want to smoke with Steve Urkel. Like, <laughs> doesn't really roll off the tongue. do a poll right now. I promise you. Why wouldn't you want to smoke with Urkel? But if you put this episode up, I'm going to put this clip up and I'm going to put a poll. I need to know. Like, who wants to smoke with Steve Urkel? <laughs> what? Yes. You know what, though? I, I think that, I, I kind of was on Dex's wave when I first saw it. No one no one looked at Jaleel White as a connoisseur of purple haze or purple weed or whatever it is that's purple that he, he's selling. I didn't I didn't think about that. Right. But that's the thing about weed. You cannot stereotype people anymore to thinking who is the stereotypical person that would smoke and wouldn't smoke like Dex. You keep talking about edibles. And, and like, you know, Dex will be talking about it on on here. But, you know, when we're talking behind the scenes, Dex is eating an edible every week. Like, <laughs> and you know, and like if I'm if I'm looking at Dexter, you, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be judgy, but I, I'm I'm not taking him as someone who's eating an edible every week. Yeah, I'm Steve Urkel. Nobody wants to smoke with me. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally Steve Urkel. It's me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But I do agree with what you're saying, though, as far as. Like with even with the ushers, it's entrepreneurship, and I do respect that, and I appreciate that. I just don't see it for him. like it just doesn't make sense for Steve Urkel to be doing it. Well, that was gonna be my next point. How I'm just happy someone is being an entrepreneur. You know, uh, clearly he's a connoisseur, and he didn't see anyone in this lane, and decided to put himself in this lane. And I think the dichotomy of Steve Urkel's performance, which is a uh, uh, persona, which is not even who Jalil White is. Right, right. right. Because it's funny. Later on in Family Matters, they started to introduce Stefan and he was fine and like <laughs> nothing like what Steve Urkel's character was. So Jalil White really, you know, 
it doesn't necessarily in real life have to be like Steve Urkel. We don't know who he really is, but clearly this is something that he's been thinking about, something that he's interested in and that he wants to make money off of. And I'm not even mad. Send me some. <laughs> People buy weed from any and everybody as long as it's good. And now that it's legal, why not get into it? Well, it's legal in a lot of places, so why not get into it? It's just a good business decision, especially for somebody like like I know he was sitting on that name for a long time. Had to be. I can't wait for this moment. <laughs> I wonder how involved he is, though, because, you know, like, OK, so Jay-Z has his own cannabis line, too, as well. Right. And uh, a whole host of people are doing stuff. Snoop Dogg's doing stuff. Um, I always wonder how involved they are. Is this really him going through the process of seeing the weed grow, trying it out, you know, or is it a company making it and then him just putting his brand and his name behind it? I always wonder when people are launching companies. I'm here for it, but like, let's just be careful though. Like we, we love the entrepreneurship, but like, you know how this goes, it gets too big. And then Kim Kardashian and Khloe Kardashian are, are selling cannabis lines. And we just, at some point we have to pump the brakes. Right. <laughs> So we're waiting on uh, Caesar to join us and talk about this new season of Black Ink Crew. There he is right on time. Our timing is getting good. Hello. What's up, y'all? Sorry, I'm a little. Hi. It's okay. Hi. You're right on time. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a hectic media day for me. I bet that you're happy about it, right? Because there's been some things going on. You know, you, you're a business owner. Businesses have been, been shut down. You was probably sitting in a house smoking some purple Urkel or. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely right. See? Gaining all types of weight. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> so uh, Cesar Emmanuel is joining us. Hi, Cesar. Nice to talk to you hey, again. Man. What's up, y'all? I'm Mina. Dex Ducky, nice to meet you. Before we start this interview, you're going to have to put on a shirt. Let's just say that, man. <laughs> uh, I, I was sneaking <laughs> on, but you know. I, <laughs> you know, I was going to say that. I'm like, you got your shirt off? What are we doing here? <laughs> they didn't tell me we're going to be a Zoom to like later on. So, you know, I was just running around. Wait, can, so you've been working on your body. Can we see the body? Hey. All right. You just try to walk us down the wrong path. <laughs> okay, I'll just look on social media. <laughs> so, uh, Seeds, your your show, Black Ink Crew New York, is uh, back on VH1. I can't even imagine what you've been going through as a business owner during this pandemic. I'm sure we're going to see all of it um, kind of play out on TV, but, like, how has your life been like I like your Harlem store closed down? Talk about Man. like the roller coaster of your life in the last year. Man, it's it's man. My whole life has been upside down because, you know, in the beginning of this whole COVID thing, I caught I caught COVID. You know what I mean? Like that was a whole different experience. And then my mother caught it right after me. And, you know, my mother has like. Like she has a lot of medical issues. So with her now, it was like, it was like, F me. I was more worried about her. And it took a, a little minute to get through it. You know, mm -hmm. she still has issues behind it, but 
she made it through it. You know, that's the most important thing. And then even with the businesses, it was like, God, man, it was it was a time that I really didn't think I was going to be able to open my businesses again. And it was it was kind of scary for me because people don't understand. I put so much work and time and hard work into building on my black inks. So for me to be a for me to be shut down by basically a, a, a world pandemic, it was almost it was a, a trying time because I, I just lost. 113 mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit. I lost 113. That was home base. And then it was like a domino effect. So getting through everything, it was like it, I have to say it was very trying times. And then even with that, it's like you stuck in you stuck inside for a whole year, basically. So you really can't even plan anything. The whole thing is just like. It's upside down to me and sit here and I'm in my house trying to figure everything out. And it's like you're by yourself and your brain is scrambling. Just put it like this. If I was anybody else, I'd probably be in a madhouse by now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Were you scared for your business? Because you built an empire like Black Ink Crew is literally an empire at this point. Were you scared that that was going to go away permanently? Yeah, I was. I'm never gonna tell you no lie. With everybody, with everything being said, with everybody not knowing if this COVID thing will go away, and the fact that we can't even touch each other, be around each other, breathe around each other, yeah. that would have been the end for tattooing. Like I'm, my business, not like online business where I could sell stuff and mail it in. Like some other people thrive, and my business actually decreased. Thank yeah. God, I was never um. One of those splurging type of guys that just spend my money unnecessarily. I had something in the bank for each shop. So they they was able to maintain, even though they was closed. I was still paying rent and everything. But it, it, it got to a time that I was like, ah, man, if we don't open back up, I'm going to have to lose some of these shops just to maintain the core. And thank God we open back up because there's no loan out for tattoo shops. Like anybody want to sit there, you know, the government giving loan outs. Nah, not for no tattoo shop. I don't give, I don't give a hell how much taxes you could show you pay what you did. They not, they just not doing it. I, I was going to ask that. That's interesting. Seriously. You didn't get no government aid. You have like, yeah. like seven shops or something like that. That's crazy. Exactly. And I couldn't get nothing. I couldn't even get nothing for my personal. So it got to the point that I had to sit here and realize, like, you know what? It's time to call it how it is. I'm not going to get no hand out. I can't look for a hand out. So it's time for me to man up and sit here and say, yo, I, I got to do this on my own. Now, I know that you just told us that you struggle with a lot of like business stuff. And so this question is somewhat silly, but I need to know. I read yeah. a couple years ago that you were thinking about opening up a black ink shop in Philadelphia. Are you still thinking about that? Would you still do it? You know, the funny thing is you're the second person asked me about that today. Um, The Philly situation. All right. This is what happened in Philly. Everybody know what happened in South Street, how they was just basically. I don't know if it's racism. I don't know if it's socialism that they don't want certain people to climb up the ladder. But the way Philly is, 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 is done is is basically it holds people back. You feel me? Like, let, let's just put it out there. You can't own a business in Philly if you have a felony. You feel me? And then certain businesses ain't zoned in Philly. So you got to ask permission. You, you feel me? For certain business. And that's some of the problems I had in Philly. I went through the problem in South Street where basically the community 
board went against me, but the community wanted me there. But right. because the board didn't approve, I had to go to the city. The city approved, but then got threatened from another tattoo shop that didn't get approved that they was going to sue the city if they approved me. So what happened was they shut mines down. All right, which regulation says they got 10 shops on South Street and they only had nine, but they wouldn't let Black Ink there because we're a Black entrepreneur, we're a Black-owned company, and those other companies aren't. And mind you, I had to remind them in the city council, yo, I don't even have a criminal background if y'all want to sit here and go there. How many of these owners have criminal backgrounds? You feel me? Or not even, like, let's really, and that's when everything started to get foggy, Steve, we don't want no problem with you. Cool. I went to North Philly now. Now, everybody know Greg from North Philly, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a, he got, he gave me the spot, a nice spot, decked it out for me and everything. Now, what happened was COVID happened. Gotcha. You feel me? The city shut down. Now, during those months, any land, anybody who owned something was going through crucial time, they didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. Instead of him sitting there saying, yo, listen, yo, I'm a holist. He, he did a business move. He got somebody else to take the spot. You feel me? Even though I couldn't move during those times during COVID because everything was going, okay. I couldn't be mad at that. That's just part of business. Right now, I'm still looking for somewhere to put a black ink in Philly. And it's just so... It's just so hard with Philly because I mean, honestly, I've never got any pushback from any other city like Philly. Wow! Like you have to, you got to go through so much, and it's so it's frustrating to a point because it's like I understand like with Philly, they don't like outsiders coming in, but it just feels like once we passed that, it was more of a a racial barrier. Because most of the people that work in those those city jobs and the regulations are black people like us, but right. the higher ups are not. Okay? You, you, you know what's crazy, though? The last time I had you in studio, you literally were on South Street trying to work all this out. So you you've been working on this for five years now, right? Yes. yes. And every time people ask, yo, what's up with Philly? And I feel like people thinking, I'm I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm just fronting not to come to Philly. I've been wanting to open up Philly. Actually, Philly was supposed to be my third shop. I remember. I'm already and up to number seven and I still can't get into Philly. That Yo, and that's craziness because literally that was the reason why we interviewed you and that's when you talked about it. And I can't even believe, I thought maybe something fell through with you know, the location or, you know, funding. Sometimes it's finicky when you're trying to start a business, but you're saying like you was ready to go. And now this board was telling you no, which I didn't even know South Street had a board. Exactly. A lot of people don't know South <laughs> Street have a board. When you see this board of representatives, you like, hold on. You're the people who sitting there judging me. These right. are people who own bars and like people who don't even like, it's not bringing nothing to the community. So my thing was like, how y'all gonna sit here and do this to me? And I'm showing y'all what I've done with other communities. What I, what, what I have gave back. I've done this, I've done that. It's not like I'm sitting here and have brawls and fights like back in the days, like y'all had, <laughs> had to right. regulate it because people, a lot of people don't know it. Well, Philly people know the history of South Street, but outside of people don't know the history of South Street. So when people are sitting there shunning me, I'm like, yo, y'all got a dirty history, dirtier than mine. What's up? <laughs> and listen, 
this might be God saving you because Philly is a crazy city, man. You might not want to bring new business there, man. Philly is wild. At the end of the day, every city is crazy. Every city is wild. I'm from the South Bronx, brother. It, <laughs> it, I, I grew up in the 80s and the early 90s out there. I understand what craziness is, and I know it's wild like any other hood, and I would never disrespect Philly and make it seem like, oh, this is a, nah, Philly crazy. I ain't nigga I know from Philly got hit or something <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm from the hood. I love the hood. I can't change where I'm from, bro. Like, I want to open up in Philly. I want a Philly shop. I want to get in tune with the Philly community, yo. Yo, that, that Philly Black Ink crew on VH1 will be lit. Like, that would be super crazy. That's what I mean. Super crazy. <laughs> Those numbers super. would be crazy. Listen, South Street, wherever it's going to be at, is going is going to be jumping all day long. <laughs> <laughs> when you really jumping all day long, I know that. When you go and select members to to work in your tattoo shops, like what are you looking for? Like what kind of like person are you looking for? Like style of tattoo artistry are you looking for? Personality. Right, I look for I look for the dopest artists, right? But they got to be from like whatever city I'm opening up from. They got to be from that city. I don't bring in artists from other cities and whatnot. That's against the whole model of blacking it's supposed to be to uplift other urban artists in that city mm. so when i bring if i bring a black ink to that city i'm trying to recruit the best artists out of that city you feel me and then i look for the loyalty the chemistry because yeah you could you you could be you could be cold you know what i mean but you could be an asshole too mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like you, it, it's almost like you got to be humble to a certain extent. Like you want somebody's skin, even though you got a certain skill set, you still got to be humble. And that's one of the things that I, I thrive with. Because most of the time, if you humble, you go further than someone who's, who's just cocky and arrogant. So those are some of the skill sets I look for as, as artists. And you got to be a hustler. You got to be ambitious. If you're not a hustler and ambitious, if your goal ain't to sit there and open up your own shop in a mm. couple more years, you with the wrong nigga. All I want to do is make sure that when you open up your shop is a black ink. Mm. See, I know this is a tough question, but you tattooed DMX um, and he passed away. Can you talk about the relationship that you build with him over time? And then also like what the tattoos meant to him that you put on his body? All right. One, the first tattoo I did for him was like a memorial to the 9-11 situation. That's when I first met X. And it was like, you know, when you meet somebody, you know, you already got that perception of like, oh, he crazy. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? But when you meet somebody, meet them and you get to know them, you understand like society, society could be crazy to some people, to some people and they don't understand that person. DMX had multiple personalities, you feel me? Sometimes you'll get the pastor. Sometimes you'll get the bad man. Sometimes you'll get the the, the psychologist. You get different exes. But at the end of the day, no one could ever say that X is a carbon copy of anybody or anything they ever seen before. He's a unique individual. And I was just blessed to know him as a friend. He actually... When I be looking at hindsight, you know, when I first met him, he actually saved me because 
people don't understand like God put people in your life sometimes to give you a message. And if you don't receive the message, you're going to be doomed. When X came in my life, I hated reality TV. And this was after season one. A lot of people, nobody knows this story except me and X. And I started to share it because people started asking me. He came to 113, that's for his neck, that neck tattoo, right? He's like, yo, bro, he, he just, he read me. He read me immediately and no one ever reads me. Like, I'm probably one of the hardest people to read. He read me. He's like, yo, don't take friends. Da, 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 da. You know what? It's like an effort you. You know, it's, it's, I have to earn your friendship. I don't want to, I don't want somebody to give me their friend. I want to earn it. Yo, he sat there from eight o'clock to six o'clock in the morning. By the time he left that morning, we we was friends. Yeah. We mm-hmm. sat down, we did the tattoo. He you know, he prayed. He you know, we talked for hours about my struggles, his struggles. He we 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 he didn't even he didn't even brought brought cash from the projects over to battle <laughs> in the backyard. Have a whole battle rap session in the backyard. So it's like when you when 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 you meet somebody like him, he'll forever be engraved in my soul. Forever, I don't care if he dead for twenty years or what. Like it, forever since day one, he I always say X is one of those people that I will never forget, and I always remember him dead as a friend. And I'm sorry that this happened to him, but at the end of the day, I keep telling people that new X. Everybody knew he was fighting shit and he had demons with him. You know what I mean? Everybody knew he was fighting certain things. He's fighting addiction. He was fighting this. The only thing I know right now, my boy is in peace. Yeah. That's all yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. Did you did you cry? Cause I was bawling. Like I didn't cry the day of. I cried the next day because I really didn't want to believe it. Because you gotta understand the day before it was all this, your ex is dead, ex is dead. And it was false news. So in my mind, I'm like, nah, this is another false thing. It's almost like when Kobe died, you didn't want to believe it. It's like, yep. what? Mm-hmm. Shut up, yo. This media bugging the hell out. But then when you realize that he's really gone, and it's like you go back in your memory bank and you're like, damn, bro. Damn. And the last memory I remember is funny because. The last memory I remember, I did his exodus on, on, on his collarbone. That's his last son, right? When he was born, the day he was born, he came, yo, see, got to do his tattoo. But I did it. And then I remember a couple, like, let's say four months, five months before that COVID, before we shut down, his fiance came in and she got a tattoo. I didn't even know it was his fiance. And when she was finished, all this, she like, yeah, my fiance coming to pick me up. I was like, all right. And then he walked in. And was like, yo, yo, dog told you we stick with the family. I'm like, oh. You did that in person pretty well. That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) You could actually play him in a movie. Yeah. When when X came in, he's like, yo, dog, we got to go eat. Come on. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm tired. We filming all day. Uh, uh, But, you know, that's our only regret that I didn't get to spend more time with him because. Every like we all hustling, like we all grinding. It's like, yo, I'm gonna get some time to chill out, but that's on my only regret. But I love that man to death. Mm. Nah, um, I mean, this is a little bit 
we're we, we gonna change the subject a little bit. We're gonna talk about some of the fine women you be having on this show, man. <laughs> From every city, you be having black angelette, man. Give me some of the backstories on this. Man, listen, man, I might have to put that in a book or something because people only know what goes on behind the scenes, bro. Like, good lord, man. Like, put it like this every city that there's a black ink in, we have a good roster of some fine women. You feel me? And that's why one of the reasons why I want to open up Philly because y'all got some fine women and they kind of nuts. So, so I was gonna <laughs> They'll cut you though. You gotta be careful with them. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why this social distance is perfect for me. Six feet, I can see the blade come out. I can back up. Ah. <laughs> What's the craziest tattoo you've done? Huh? What's the craziest tattoo you've done? Craziest? No, I've done a lot of crazy tattoos. I have probably a, a catalog of crazy tattoos, mm -hmm. like everything from the blowfish around the asshole. <laughs> Yo, listen, listen. It, it gets crazy. You know what I mean? It gets crazy, especially in my younger days of tattooing. It was like I'm tattooing anything and everything for some money. It's like whatever. It's whatever. I done put a penis on somebody's forehead. I done some crazy tattoos. Something I wouldn't do now is like no, no. But yo, when you when you when you grinding, you grinding, man. It's you ever <laughs> you ever go in and do something like that, like the blowfish, and the person is unsanitary? Like, how do you oh, deal yeah. with smells? Yeah that, and yeah, that happened to me one time, and it wasn't even a blowfish. It was a letters <laughs> FG on her butt cheeks, and I never forget that day. Listen. It was my first shop in Bedford-Stuyvesant, right? Mm -hmm. This girl comes in like, I want my man's initials. I messed up. I said, cool. Quick tattoo. Quick $50. You know what I mean? Let's get it. Yeah. Now listen, she pulled down them pants. All I knew, I got a whiff of something different. To this day, my nose... <laughs> My nose ain't the same. My nose has been broken since that day. I never smoked. The, I never smoked again like how I used to smell before that day. You feel I me? Mean? So I put the, the the stencil on her right, and I I come out my room to try to get some air. You tell me why the whole shop left and went outside because she stunk up the whole shop. But me being professional, I still did the tattoo. But now I think about it in hindsight. I think I think I should sue her because. My nose is messed up, yo. <laughs> You're a mess. Uh, before you go, Caesar, uh, Black Ink Crew New York is on VH1. Uh, what are, what are we seeing this this season? And I'm I'm glad to see you're back. <laughs> <laughs> this season, y'all going to see us. We can't say post COVID, but you can say post us opening back up and how we had to grind back to basically get back to a number one spot. Look, sir, we lost 113. That's no longer our home. So we are homeless and we're looking for a new home. But you're going to see us find a new home and have to leave that because that shit get closed down. Then we're going to have to go to Atlanta. And then y'all going to see us turn up in Atlanta. But wow. it, it, it's going to be a fun season. No Philly then. <laughs> One day. Not yet. Not yet. Listen, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. I'm telling you, before before next season, y'all gonna have a Philly, a Black Ink Philly, guaranteed. We'll be down there. I'll, I'll get my I'll, there. 
I was yeah, going to say, you've been saying you're going to fix my tattoos for five, six years now, Caesar. <laughs> I thought it was paid by now. I got you. <laughs> Caesar, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Black A Crew New York is on VH1. Bye, boo. Thank you. We salute hey, you. <laughs> salute y'all. <laughs> that was hilarious. The blowfish. The blowfish. That one took me for a loop. <laughs> I just, I felt like I laughed so hard in the mic. <laughs> I mean, I, I act like for some reason my brain, like I visualized it for some reason. It's like, no, I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> why did I just see that? And also, like, why did you ask him to do that for you? Like, I want to get the person who has that. Like, I want to talk to you now. So as a man, you, you know, you're about to be sexual with a girl and you see she has a blowfish in her butt. Like, are you saying he didn't say it was a girl? Oh, <laughs> so it could have been. So you are a woman. You're about to be sexual with a guy. He pulls his pants down. You see a blowfish. What blowfish. You <laughs> or you're a man about to be sexual with another sure. man and you see a blowfish. I mean, are you running or are you, you know, what are we doing here? It's, it's quite it's like, so like, why? <laughs> what made you do that? <laughs> it's kind of like how I was telling y'all when I was with this guy and then he had an uncircumcised penis and I was so, um, you know, thrown off by it. But I was like, whoa, abort mission, abort mission. <laughs> there are things you have to tell people before you put your pants down. <laughs> how do you tell someone that? I have this weird tattoo on my butt. Like, don't just show them. That, that's, I, I, I would assume that's what it's there for, a surprise, right? Like, you just don't walk around and tell people, hey, look, you get it to unleash on people. (laughs) All right. This has been an interesting uh, episode of the Mina's House podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for watching. Thank you to Caesar Emmanuel from Black Ink Crew. Um, I'm Mina Say What? (laughs) Garnett Briscoe. Dex Stucky. All right, we'll talk to you next week. It's going to be the 175th episode. What? What? 175. And we're on Pandora now. Okay. So SiriusXM owns Pandora. We're all one company now. So I'm going to start talking about a little podcast on my SiriusXM show. Uh, Thank you guys for watching and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys.